Hi, everyone. Welcome to the special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host today, Susan Deneker, with the law firm of Steptoe & Johnson, PLLC, in West Virginia. On the program, we span the globe and have received updates on critical issues from ELA members in each region. Today, I'm very excited because we're connecting with one of our members in Hawaii. Joining us on the program is Brian Ondaya, a director with ESNA. Today, Brian and I are gonna discuss restrictive covenants, kind of a fancy legal term for non-compete, non-solicitation, and non-disclosure agreements, which are an important tool for many employers in managing and protecting their businesses. There's been a recent legal trend over the last few years of courts limiting the scope and use of such restrictive covenants. And there's a recent Hawaii Supreme Court ruling which narrows the usage of these tools. And Brian's going to talk with us about that today. Brian was recently interviewed by Hawaii Business Magazine about this ruling. And he is here to talk with us today about the ruling and what it means for employers in Hawaii. Brian, aloha. Welcome to the program. How are you today? Aloha, Susan. I am doing great. I love that aloha greeting. Thank you very much. I'm so excited to be here. Well, thank you for allowing me to say it because I don't get to say it very often in West Virginia, but I'm really excited to get to say it to you. So aloha, and we really are excited to have you. I do think we should have lays while we're doing this, but our listeners can just imagine in their minds that we have them. Well, let's get to the heart of this because we've got an important topic to talk about today. As I mentioned at the beginning of our program here, we started to see a growing trend in employment law where courts are disfavoring the use of restrictive covenants like non-competes in the employment context. Tell us about the status of that issue in Hawaii. Yes, Susan. So, you know, restrictive covenants, covenants not to compete, sometimes they call them non-competition agreements. And really, it doesn't matter what you call it. Anytime you restrict competition, basically, the law now here in Hawaii is that they are not enforceable unless they are to protect a legitimate business interest. So we're moving. It's a significant move, in, in my opinion, for the state of Hawaii, moving towards the direction of states like California that have outright banned uh, non-compete agreements in the employment context. It started here in Hawaii actually in 2005 when the state legislature passed a law and that remains good law today, banning restrictive covenants and non-competes in the technology sector. So if you're in the technology sector here in Hawaii, you're not going to be able to enforce your non-compete agreement. Well, that raises some interesting Thoughts then, Brian. So if you're not in the technology sector, is there a change in law then under this new ruling that we're talking about today? Yes, there's definitely a significant change in law. And basically, the old law prior to this decision, it was called Gagnon versus Prudential Locations. It involved a real estate brokerage. And this came down February of this year, 2022. And prior to this, you know, pretty much prior court decisions have said, you can do non-competes. You can have it in there in an employment contract. You just have to make sure that the person signing it can earn a living. So you look at factors such as the radius restriction. You know, is it limited to 
you know, a small radius such that the person can easily find other employment in that area or still make a living without suffering a great inconvenience. If you do it by the state, obviously that's going to encounter more scrutiny. And here in Hawaii, you can't even do it by island because, you know, otherwise you're going to force someone off the island. So one factor was the geographic scope. The other factor was the time. You know, the longer the time period of the restrictive covenant, the more scrutiny it would get. And so for many years, employers took that and said, okay, we're going to write in these non-competes and we're just going to make sure we're going to write it such a way that the person can still earn a living without suffering much inconvenience. And for many years, courts upheld those types of agreements. In this February 2022 decision, the Hawaii Supreme Court changed that without overruling the prior precedent. So we still look at factors such as geographic scope and time. But they started out now by saying, you know, first of all, in the employment context, any kind of restraint of trade, including non-competes, is illegal. You start off with the presumption they're presumed to be illegal. They took the words of the statute, applicable statute, and really applied it literally and said, if you have a non-compete, it's illegal. And the only way that you even have a chance of enforcing it is if you can show a legitimate business interest. What is the legitimate business interest that's being protected by your non-compete? So it's an uphill battle then for employers to be able to prove that. Is that fair to say, Brian? It is definitely an uphill battle because you have to identify the legitimate interests you have. And they didn't give much examples, you know, beyond trade secrets, special customer relationships, those type of confidential information. Beyond that, it's an uphill battle. And even if you're able to show a legitimate business interest, you still have to deal with the factors that applied earlier. Can the person, you know, earn a living in the same profession or in the same industry without much inconvenience. So for employers who are considering using non-competes with prospective or current employees, it sounds like they really need to seek legal assistance with this to determine if they're going to be able to meet this hard test by the Hawaii Supreme Court. Absolutely. So in my interview with Hawaii Business, I said, if Employers here in Hawaii, any employer here in Hawaii, and if you got an employee here in Hawaii, Hawaii law does apply. You need to take another look at your restrictive covenants, your non-competes, your non-solicitations, your proprietary confidentiality agreements. You need to take a look at that because the test has changed and many of them will likely not meet the test. Now, there's still a chance you can salvage a lot of those you know, agreements and you know, what you're trying to protect. But you're going to have to rewrite them. And so you're going to have to kind of plan for this because, you know, obviously you can't just unilaterally change a contract. You're going to have to look for an opportunity where you can have the other side, the employee, agree to it, meaningfully agree to it and support it by consideration. Well, Brian, I really like what you said about non-competes. Nobody wants to get voted off the island. I think that that's something employers can remember when they're thinking about restrictive covenants. Be careful because nobody wants to get voted off the island and the court might not let you vote anybody off the island. I think that that's pretty funny and certainly unique to Hawaii. Well, let me ask you about different types of agreements. So clearly this new decision you know, significantly disfavors non-competes more, but there are other tools that employers use maybe more frequently than non-competes to help protect their business interests. Those are things like 
non-solicitation agreements where you can't solicit either other employees or customers, clients, confidentiality agreements, proprietary agreements to try to protect trade secrets and other things. Talk to us about those types of agreements and what the status of that is under current Hawaii law. Yeah, Susan. So those types of agreements are still valid, you know, and again, you still have to be careful with those though. And you have to make sure that you have a legitimate business interest that you're trying to protect, calling something, naming something, a non-solicitation instead of a non-compete, that in itself is not going to pass muster. But if it's a genuine non-solicitation confidentiality agreement and it's drafted well, and here's the thing, the court kind of went into it as well. They're alive and you can still have these other tools, these other restrictive covenants, but you still have to you know, make sure that you are able to prove that, number one, you've got a business interest, legitimate business interest, and that the employee or the departing party or agent actually engaged in soliciting, right? You actually have to show that the person, the individual solicited, that they actively solicited another employee, they actively solicited someone from your confidential customer list. So that's very significant as well. Another significant point that the court made with respect to confidentiality and proprietary agreements is that if you're going to call something confidential, if you're going to identify something as proprietary, you need to mean it, you need to treat it as such. So in that locations case, what happened was she was a sales coach. There were other sales coaches that did not have similar types of restrictive covenants, that did not have confidentiality agreements. So the court said, well, employer, if you really felt this was confidential, genuinely confidential, why didn't you have everyone sign it? It must be that you're not taking it seriously as confidential. So why should we, right? If you're going to treat similarly situated individuals differently. Well, that makes um, sense, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Well, let me ask you, Brian. So some of our listeners out there are thinking, okay, I've got a business. Should I be thinking about some of these tools to protect my business? What is your advice with regard to the types of businesses that should be considering using restrictive covenant tools, whether it's something you know as strict as a non-compete or whether it's just a basic confidentiality agreement? You know, I think almost all businesses can stand to benefit the ultimate decision may or may not be to use these tools, but almost any business with clients, with customers that has a very loyal customer base, client base, any kind of business that you know has that secret sauce, right? It's worth exploring trying to protect those interests. You know, with technology these days, the information is so much more accessible. You know, you can have an entire customer database, you can download that from the company system within minutes. You know, those type of things, if you maintain that type of information, if you have a certain method or certain certain things, competitive advantage, and this is a good time for businesses to really examine what is the value of our business? What makes us competitive and what can we do to be more competitive and to really examine what's really important and then try to identify ways, okay, this is how we can protect these assets that make us competitive. Some of our listeners are probably thinking, okay, I have a business, I'm an employer. It's common sense that you're not supposed to take confidential and proprietary things that belongs to the business. 
So help those folks think about what they should be doing and getting in place to make sure that employees don't leave with trade secrets, client lists, other things that are key to the business. Yeah, Susan, you'd, you'd be surprised. You know, I mean, we are in this age of the great resignation, right? More than ever, people of all ages, and especially millennials and in, in Generation Z, they don't have those kind of common sense or what maybe older generations think of common sense. You know, you're going to get voted off the island, Brian. I'm just <laughs> saying, we got a generation of folks that are going to vote you off the island if you're not careful here. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm saying that you have to kind of put yourself in their shoes. And, you know, really the trend now is, hey, I can run a, my own business. Why can't I do my own thing? I can run a business remotely. There are so many different options now. It's, it seems like it's so much easier now to, you know, just hang your own shingle and, you know, become an entrepreneur. And usually when someone leaves, they're usually a plan, right? And they're thinking, hey, yeah, I met the customer or the client through the company. And maybe they are on this list. But I've developed a relationship with them. I've contributed, right? I've now have an independent relationship with these customers. So, hey, I'm just going to do that. But really, I think the advice I have to give, and hopefully you'll let me back on the island with this, is what you want to try to do as an employer or as an organization is to really kind of foster an environment where people, individuals, will have loyalty to the organization and to the other people on the team. And in that case, they're much less likely to take customer lists, to use different trade secrets, or to even work for another competitor. They may leave for different reasons, you know, to evolve their careers. And I can speak to my own personal journey on that. They can do that, but without trying to hurt the company or trying to take away from the company. And if you foster that and you have them feel that they're part of you know, something bigger than themselves, number one, they're a lot less likely to leave. And number two, if they do leave and they move on, they'll always have a special heart. Or as we say here in the islands, they'll always have aloha for your company or organization that they're leaving. It never gets old hearing you say aloha. So feel free to say that anytime, Brian. I think that those are all good points. And sometimes employees, especially newer employees, don't know the legal issues associated with the protections of trade secrets and other confidential information. These types of agreements can help to inform folks and help to structure expectations. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Someone easily, especially people in the legal profession or maybe people who are just kind of starting out on their career journeys. I mean, they're probably going to think, hey, if I can access it this easily, I can just click and drag that easily, then how confidential can it be, right? So it's important that the expectation be set from the beginning of the relationship that these things are sensitive, these are confidential, these belong to the company. While you're here, you know, you're welcome to use these assets or these resources to fulfill your duties. But afterwards, you know, it remains with the company and we wish the best of luck to you. But those relationships have been built through the collective efforts of all of the entire team and many who have come before you and before before all of us. Well, I'm going to give you a chance to get back on the island for real now, Brian. <laughs> so we've talked about a lot of important things, especially in the age of, you know, we're talking about information and competing and protection of trade secrets, but we live in an internet age, right? We live in the age of Twitter and TikTok and 
Instagram and Snapchat, whatever the newest things are, information transfers quickly. So now that we've got folks' attention about, wow, these are issues, there are some tools you can use. Give us some takeaways for employers to start thinking about things they should be doing now in determining whether they can use these tools to help their businesses. Well, one thing, again, you you should do is really review all of your employment contracts and to really just examine and almost kind of like strategically plan and take a look at, you know, your number one assets, which are your people. Take a look and use this opportunity to perhaps foster a culture, create a culture or further develop the culture that you've already started and to see how you can have this culture contribute to your business and to the cause that you're trying to champion. And in also doing, you probably look at different systems and processes, use this opportunity to set systems and processes to safeguard what you are protecting. You know, technology is wonderful. It's made the transfer of information so easy. In a way, it's bad because now it's just easy to get the information and, and keep it with you, download it and email and all of that. But if you put systems and processes in place to safeguard what you are trying to protect, what's really important to your business, then you've gone a long way in protecting you know, the, the assets, the crucial assets that you may have to give you a competitive advantage in your market. So I, I think just doing that whole self-examination or you know, just that reflection into your company and organization, paying attention to your people thinking about their own development and where they might be in the near and long term. And then, of course, reviewing you know, any assets, any contracts that you've got, agreements that you've got, and maybe thinking about, hey, maybe we should get an agreement in place. It's a perfect time. It's, let's say it's the annual review, right? And you're going to give this person a key employee with access to a lot of you know, confidential information. If you're going to give them a raise anyway or give them a promotion anyway, it's the perfect time to say, hey, we're going to recognize you know, what you've contributed and we're going to recognize your potential. This is what we're going to do in terms of compensation or, or whatever it might be. And this is what we ask of you. It's a perfect time to do that. Brian, thank you. Those are all great takeaways. You've really helped our listeners to learn a lot today. We've learned about the important tools you can use to protect your businesses through restrictive covenants. We've learned that you don't want to get voted off of the island and that using Aloha makes every discussion more fun. So Brian, thank you for this great discussion. I know that it's going to be very useful for our listeners and certainly for employers in Hawaii. Thanks for your time today, Brian. Thank you very much, Susan. And you know, to everyone listening to this and, and definitely Susan for being a great moderator, Aloha from the islands. Oh, I just love it. It just sounds great. Well, if you would like to connect with Brian, please click on his bio in the description of this podcast. We also encourage you to reach out to any of our lawyers around the world by selecting Find a Lawyer on the ELA website at ela.law. In addition, search the ELA website where you can sign up to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download white papers and on-demand content from our online library, or access the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. Aloha, I'm Susan Deneker. Thanks for listening.